Well, good morning, Thrive Church, and all those who are watching online in the 715. We're glad that you are connecting with us. If we've not met, my name is Sheldon Miles. I'm the lead pastor of just this phenomenal church. And uh, Jessica, Deanne, we're so glad that you came and joined and shared with us your mission this morning. Can we just give them another round of applause for what you're doing? It takes a lot of courage and boldness, and you are stepping out in faith, and we want to step with you. And so uh, at the end of the service, if you would like to donate towards this ministry, you can do that. There are offering envelopes in the front of the chair in front of you, and just simply write down uh, Hager House, and uh, we will make sure that those funds will get to you. And also, she was referring to a Christmas tree um, that, that has needs for Hagar House. We are sponsoring them at this Christmas time, and they have some uh, requests, and we want to bless this ministry, so be sure to run to that Christmas tree. If not, if you want to still donate and you want to know how, you can talk to them at the end of the service, and they will tell you how to do that. So again, I want to welcome all those who are with us this morning, and I just want you to know a little bit about our church. We are a spirit-led congregation, spirit-led church. That means we really try to connect with God's spirit and let him lead the way in what we're doing because we join with him in this mission of life change to lead people to become life-giving followers of Jesus. If you have been changed by the power of Jesus, would you just simply raise your hand this morning? Give God praise for life change. Give God praise. And I want to also, I know that you have, this is such a generous church, and I don't know, I think Garrett said last week, and by the way, did he not do a phenomenal job last week, our youth pastor, in speaking? And I know that he shared some 50... Some 50 people, family units, gave towards Convoy of Hope, the Convoy of Hope, the one-day offering. And I wanted you to know we gave over $6,000 to Convoy of Hope. Give yourselves a hand this morning for that generous, generous gift. So uh, before I get into the message this morning, I, I, have, uh, I want to just talk to you a little bit about something. Um, I'm going to ask if Felicia, if you would come uh, up on the platform, if Michelle, if you would join me this morning. Felicia is our children's director, and, uh, and she has stepped in, she stepped in during a difficult time, a difficult season here at Thrive Church. And, uh, and you know, when, when the hand, when people said, will somebody please raise their hand and, and, and lead this important ministry, Felicia raised her hand. And she's done a great job. And, and we've been working together here for about a year and a half and just have growth and growth and growth. But she has come and shared with me that she's got a, a personal thing going on, a personal need in her life where she feels the need to, to step down. And, uh, and so this morning, we wanted to recognize her. and We wanted to honor her for her faithfulness in this ministry. Can we please do that? Can we please respond to her? We love Felicia and Z, and we just appreciate so much that she has done. And so we're just praying and asking God, like, okay, Lord, what do you have in store for our children's ministry? We want to invest in our future. And what, 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 what better thing to invest in than in our children and our youth, the next generation? And so just be in prayer uh, for Felicia and this thing that she is She's uh, going through, and um, it's, it's okay. She's going to be all right, but, uh, but if you'll just keep her in your prayers and just wrap your arms around her and just love her. 
and, uh, and then also be praying for our children's ministry. So I'm going to ask you to follow along in this sermon series. We're starting a new sermon series uh, today called With Us, With Us. And, and, and I'm telling you, you just get so much more out of the message when you follow along in the notes. And we're going to get right into it. I want to just say Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, somebody walked in, a couple of people walked in this morning with gifts for us. And I did, did totally did not expect it. And so thank you. Thank you for your generosity. It's a very giving church. But Christmas here, we're in, the, can you just believe it? it just seems like summer just got over with here. And and now we're in December and Christmas time is here. And, it, and, and if we're not careful, we can forget about what Christmas is all about. Please, please, please take time to remember what Christmas is all about. It's all about this one, this gift from God, God's own son, Jesus, who came down to earth to show us and reveal to us God's love and to reveal to us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you've not already joined with us, we, we, last week we gave out these cards and, and encourage you to read along. We're reading through the book of Luke together, and we're following along with the days of the book of Luke. So today, what is today's day? Today's the fifth. I've not had my, my devotional reading yet, but just today, just jump in at Luke chapter 5, and let's discover this gift that Jesus, that God gave to us. In Matthew 1, 22 through 23, we get into the Christmas story and we see that there is a prophecy. There was a prophecy that was spoken about this Jesus, this Messiah that would come into the world. And it's interesting because the, the words that Matthew speaks here, he is giving a prophecy that was spoken some 700 years before it happened. That's interesting. These same words that are, are spoken, and it says here, uh, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. He said, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. You know, according to the National Institute of Health, Christmas time, and some of you believe it or not, and some of you are like, no, I understand. Christmas time can be one of the most loneliest times of the year for some people. One survey said that this, they reported that 45% of the respondents dreaded the Christmas season. I hope that's not you this morning. Mental health professionals have reported a significant increase of patients coming to them and dealing with, with depression during the Christmas holiday season. Hospitals and police department report a higher incidence of suicides and attempts of suicide during the Christmas and holiday season. Loneliness. People are struggling. It's hard to believe, but in the, at Christmas time, when, when there's so much going on, a lot of times the thing that people are struggling with the most is loneliness. Loneliness is defined as this. It's a state of mind where a person, despite being surrounded by people, feel very much alone. Now, I, I think Garrett mentioned to you last week, Michelle and I, got to participate in a bucket list event. So I, I don't know if I've ever told you, but I'm a big Ohio State Buckeyes fan. 
all right? Okay. And, 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 the, and we have this rivalry and it's, I don't know if it's just take the bears and the Packers and then multiply that times a hundred. And that's just kind of how Ohio state feels about, and, and I'm not even supposed, I don't even like to use the letter M. I just say Michigan, Michigan. And so we decided, my, my daughter, my son-in-law, they convinced us to do just fulfill this bucket list moment and to go to the Ohio State Michigan game. The only problem was, there was two problems really, it was in the state of Michigan. And it's this place, this stadium, and they call it the Big House. You know why I call it the Big House? One of the largest stadiums in the United States. And, and they, at that game, they set a record over 111,000 freaks. Freaks. Crazy. I'm still in a state of mourning. My team did not win. But there was this moment, this moment in the game, or while the game was over, and there was this moment that we were surrounded by 111,000, if you want to call them people, you can call them people, Oh, surrounded by thousands of people, and we felt very much alone. Just go ahead and show that picture here. Is that picture coming through? I just, yeah. That's when the crowd rushed the field because they won. And we were surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people and felt very much alone. I'm not hearing any sympathy in the crowd. Can, we, can I get just any kind of sympathy? None of you guys are with me. That's because you're Badgers fans, and never mind. Never mind. I'm digging a hole here. All right. Uh, you know, I, if you've ever been through a season of darkness and a season of pain, uh, went through that uh, some years ago when losing my parents. And uh, I've, I've talked about this before. Uh, within a year and a half of each other, uh, losing my parents, you, you're just, no matter how much how you try to prepare for it, you're just never prepared for it when it happens. And so I was going to be the brave one, and, and I just decided nobody can do their funeral except their son. And so I did both of my parents' funerals. And so when you do a funeral, you really don't want to get all sloppy and slurpy up here, and you just want to make sure you have your act together, and you can just kind of help everybody else in their pain and suffering. Well, in the meantime, I just took my pain and my hurt and I put it on a shelf. And, and can I just say this? When you put your pain and your hurt on a shelf, it grows. And one of these days, that shelf just will begin to cave in on you. And, and that's what happened. I was going through a season of my life where I had smiley face on the outside and I had chaos going on on the inside. And and just went through a season of hurt and depression. And I felt very much alone. And I was surrounded by a crowd of people, a crowd of, 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 of friends in the church. And, and I was feeling very much alone. I didn't know how to talk to people. And here's the deal. My pride, my pride kept me from reaching out. And again, it, it sparked a depression inside of me. And here's the deal. We're not created to do life alone. We serve a God of relationship. 
That's one of his, his greatest qualities, his relationship. And, and our Father God put that inside of you, this desire for relationship, for companionship, for friendship. We were born this way. In fact, you know, when you, if you've ever been to prison before, you hear about it. In prison, if they really, 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 really want to punish a prisoner for bad behavior, what do they do? They put them into solitary confinement because they don't, they want that prisoner to learn a lesson. Being alone is a painful experience. And again, maybe some of you are here today, maybe some of you are watching online and you are surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people each and every day and you feel very much alone. Studies and the studies say that the most common reasons for loneliness, or maybe maybe you're going through this, is life transition. Life trans. Maybe you you lost your job and you had to move, and you move into a new community, and you had to leave all of your friends behind and in your support system, and you move into a community, and you're just not connecting with anybody. A second reason why is is the separation. Maybe some of you, you've been a part of the military, maybe you're in the military right now and you had to move and you were separated from your family and your friends and your loved ones. Another reason why people struggle from loneliness is broken relationships, a breakup in a relationship. Many of you have experienced that, a breakup, maybe an unexpected divorce. You never planned for this. You never saw it coming. You don't want this. A broken friendship. Just being, just that feeling a friend has abandoned you or betrayed you. Or maybe, maybe, maybe you're struggling with a past wound. Being hurt in a relationship often makes us feel anger and hurt and it's hard to forgive. And sometimes maybe some of you are here today and you're stuck in a place of bitterness and pain. And that's why you feel so alone. And last one, fear. Because of all of these things that I just mentioned here, a lot of times like I got my heart hurt before and I remember that. And now as I move forward, I will not experience that same pain before. So what you do is you build up this wall, right? You build this wall and you just, and, and you keep people at an arm's like you. Sure, you got a really nice smile on your face and you're nice. You're not rude to anybody, but you walk through life like this, fear fear. And so there's many reasons. And some of you are here today or watching online and there's many other reasons of why you feel alone. But the message of Christmas, the message of Christmas is we are not alone. You this morning, wherever you are in that scale of loneliness, please understand you are not alone. Listen to Luke chapter 1, 26 through 33, 38, as, we, as, we, as you foretell the birth of Christ. Listen to, as they speak to, to Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, it said in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel of Nazareth. Just, I just put yourself in this, in this situation to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, <laughs> Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. 
You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said, even though I do not understand this, even though this puts me in a potentially dangerous situation, even though this makes no sense to me at all, may everything you have said about me come true. And get this part. And then the angel left her. Can you, can you just imagine I just, I think even for a woman who is here today or watching online, you, you, you get this even more than any man could even comprehend. This makes no sense. It's not supposed to happen this way. What, what, what young lady grows up and, and envisions her wedding day and having children? No young lady envisions it happening this way. And, and this this child is going to be a king, the king of Israel. This, 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 this child is going to be the Messiah. Look at her response, verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. And again, the angel left her. Can you imagine the loneliness that maybe she encountered? What about you? What about you this morning? What is your response in your seasons? Maybe you're going through it now, or maybe you've been there. What is your response to loneliness? That, that overwhelming feeling, again, when, you, when you're being around thousands of people and you've got smiley face, but on the inside, something is missing. You're hurting. You're, you're, you're wounded. Do you, do you stay? Are you the type of person that you stay in your isolation? Or do you find a way out? Do you refuse to allow these feelings to drag you down? Today, I want to talk to you about three responses, three responses that I feel like we need to take. I think we need to to just move forward in this this season because we know what aloneness, loneliness can do to us. Loneliness can just drag us down to this pit of depression and discouragement. Here are three responses that I want to encourage you. If you're going through this today, here's three responses that I think that we can move forward in. First of all, the first response I would tell you to do is to remember. Look at your neighbor and say, remember. I'm here to remind you, you've probably have read the Christmas story multiple times. You've heard it many times. You've heard that Emmanuel, he is God with us. But I'm going to give you one more reminder this this morning that God is with you. No matter what you're going through, no matter where you've been, no matter what is happening, no matter what you've said, 
No matter how much you might reject and ignore God, you don't even believe that God exists. Understand that God is with you. Verse 28, Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, greetings, favorite woman, the Lord is with you. You know, I believe it was this statement right here. This was the statement that got Mary moving forward. It would have been very easy for Mary to stay stuck in her, in her season of confusion and chaos and, and just take this whole thing alone and it could have went in a different direction. But she said, no, I'm gonna move forward. Mary, you're not gonna go through this alone. God is with you. You know, I think that when we understand and know that God is with us, and that he's right there with us, when we own it, when we own God's promises, it changes the whole scenario, doesn't it? When we own, when we know and own God's promises. In fact, it's in his name. Remember his name? Matthew 1.23, and they will call him Emmanuel. It's in God's name to be with you. It defines who he is. And there's, again, there's strength and healing that comes from not being alone. I think some of you remember here, just, just this last January, you had that pastor with the gimpy arm thing going on. Remember that sling? And it just went on and on forever. And, and, and so I, I did not want to have, I had shoulder surgery, didn't want to go through that alone. But I remember, you know, yeah, right after the surgery and you go home, and you're like, I could never do this alone. I can't function alone. And my arm is just, I'm in a lot of pain. And, and I was going through, I was struggling, but it, it just, there was something that it was healing and comforting. And I could be calm knowing that my wife was there for me. I was not alone in that. The promise of God's presence is all throughout the Bible. Look at this in Old Testament, Isaiah 41.10. God tells us through his prophet, he says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. He's speaking to you this morning. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. This simple understanding is so powerful. It's taking hold of God's promises and it helps us deal with our fears and our discouragement. Just, or just understanding this, it gives you strength no matter what you're going through. Jesus reminds us, Matthew 28, 20, he says, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is with us always. He's with you always. How do I know that? Well, this morning I was on the treadmill and I was preparing for this message, preparing a sermon. And I was spending time with Jesus in preparation. In the New Testament, Hebrew 13, 5, and it says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And you may have been abandoned by somebody else in your life. Somebody who promised that they would always be there for you, and then they left. And I want you to know, Jesus will never abandon you. And I think that when we know and understand that God is with us, and that we can live with him, it changes everything. But I want you to just grasp this point this morning. As I talk about God being with us, okay, you need to grasp this point because now all of a sudden it puts a responsibility in our shoes here. You need to get, if you get anything out of this message, you understand this, you are as close to God as you choose to be. 
Just let that sink in for a moment. You are as close to God as you choose to be. You ever been with somebody, maybe in a workplace, or maybe a workplace situation, and, and you are, you're, you're, you're assigned to work with this person side by side, and, and everywhere you go, that person is with you, and, but yet you have like no connection, like hardly a word. The only thing that is communicated is work-related, but there's no connection. You ever, anybody have that before? Maybe some of you had that each and every day. And you're just like, I don't like this person. I don't like to be around. I don't know whatever the issue is. But the, the real issue is that you've refused to open up your heart to that person. We're just going to keep it professional. Keep it professional. Just... It happens because your heart is closed off. But the apostle, our James tells us this. James challenges us. If we want to be close to God, then get close to God. He tells us this. He says, come close to God. And what will happen? Come close to God. How, how does that happen? How do, how do you get close to somebody? What do you, what do, you do? It, it, it takes time. It takes a, a willingness. It takes an open your heart. It takes communication. God is there for you, but he's as close to you as you will allow him to be. I want you to know, I want you to write this on your calendar, January 9th, January 9th. We are going to start off the new year with 21 days of getting closer to God. Just take 21 days, and we'll talk more about it later, about what this means, but I'm going to say, we're going to take 21 days to pray and to fast And we're just going to focus on getting closer to God. You are as close to God as you choose to be. The second way to deal with loneliness, as I would challenge you with this, is number two, reach out for help. Reach out for help. Jessica, I just appreciate so much what you have done. I had an appointment made, and Sandy sets my appointments for me, and there's this lady, Jessica, from Hagar House, which I knew nothing about, wanted to meet with me. She brought Deanne with her and just wanted to tell me about this ministry because I did not know. And it would have been easy for Jessica to say, well, okay, so we're opening up this ministry and it's a really worthy ministry and everybody should know about it. Hello. And so everybody should just come and help us out. But if she had taken that attitude, if that was her strategic plan, it would have been a very unsuccessful strategic plan, right? But she said, I'm going to reach out for help. I'm not going to do this alone. I'm going to ask the churches of this community to help with this project. And look at what Mary did. Look at what she did when she found out that she was pregnant. Luke 139 says, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth, her cousin. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so Mary just said, listen, I, I, I can't do this by myself. 
And, and, and I just need to find somebody that I can connect with who can relate to me. And wait a second, I've heard that Elizabeth, I can't believe that she's pregnant. I mean, she's, you know, she's kind of past those years, but she's pregnant. And she would understand my situation. I'm going to go to her. Do you realize that she traveled over 80 miles to go be with her cousin? And she just said, listen, I am very vulnerable in this situation. I'm not going to do this alone. And she didn't do it. She didn't just stop in for a quick visit. It says here in verse 56, Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. Mary decided, listen to me, you're going to have to make a decision here. If you're here today and you're going through the alone, you're going through depression, discouragement, you're going to have to make a decision. I'm not going to do this alone. I like this passage in Exodus 18, 14, and 15. There's a story where Moses, he's trying to lead the Israelites, okay? And it's a big project. And these Israelites, man, they are just whining and complaining. And it's just, oh, it's just a big, it's kind of becoming a debacle. And and so his father-in-law, Jethro, is coming to visit Moses and, and see what he's doing here. And Jethro's like, God, time out, Moses. Hello, look at you. You're burned out. You're fried out. You're cooked out. Listen to me, Moses. Listen to me. Some of you, you need to hear this advice this morning. He says, what are you really accomplishing here? You and your aloneness, what are you really accomplishing? Why are you trying to do this all alone? While everyone stands around you with morning to evening. When there are so many people around you who can help you. We're not built to do life alone. Ziad Albonar, I hope I said that right, he says this. Be strong enough to stand alone, smart enough to know when you need help, and brave enough to ask for it. In other words, I, I just encourage you, if you're just, you get the Christmas blues, or you just are going through a season of life, you feel so alone, please don't stay there. But you're going to have to humble yourself. Mary had to humble herself. She had to take the risk. There was no, no text or no cell phones. Hey, Elizabeth, I want to come visit you. And like, uh, you know, it's really kind of an awkward circumstance. Can I just come? And, you know, she had to take a risk that Elizabeth was going to accept her. She had to take the risk. Some of you, you're going to have to take a risk. And I know you've been hurt. You've been wounded before. Somebody hurt you. But don't stay in that place. Take a risk. And you're going to have to talk to somebody. You know, if you, I've been through uh, suicide training and how to recognize people who are maybe going through difficult times. And, and as a chaplain for the fire department, I have been called on scene and, and consoling the family members who have lost a member and, and, and a family member to suicide. And, and you hear them say over and again, why didn't they just say something? Why didn't they just tell somebody? Can I, I'm just going to ask this morning. If you are here this morning and you would say, listen, I will be, if, if that's you, you're hurting and you feel very much alone at this Christmas season, I will be a safe person that anybody can talk to. Will you please raise your hand? I want everyone to look around. 
Look at this. Keep your hand up. Listen to me. You are not alone. God not only sends his son Jesus to be there for you, but he sends his followers. You are not alone. The third way to deal with loneliness is number three, regift God's kindness to others. I love this part. Regift. Regift. You know, mental health therapists have discovered this. They discovered that people who are going through depression, they discovered as somebody who's going through depression, if they can just find somebody else who is hurting, maybe like themselves or in another area, and they can begin to invest themselves into helping other people in their hurt, it helps in their recovery. Did you know that? People who are depressed, because sometimes when you're depressed, I've been there, been in that land, and, and you can just, all you can do is focus on yourself. And therapist has discovered if you could just take some of that focus off of yourself and your pain and your hurt, and you can put it into empathy for others, it begins to bring healing into your own life. Isn't that amazing? You know, the Apostle Paul recognized this. And he said this in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. I just read this recently. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles. You know why he does that? You know why God comforts us? Paul tells us here, so that we can comfort others. And see, your healing that God brings into your life, it's not just for you. God say, listen, listen, I'm gonna bring healing into your emotional health and your hurt and your loneliness, but there's another reason. There's another reason so that you can recognize others who are hurting and you can start investing them. You can be a vessel of God. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same support that God has given us. In other words, God has blessed you. God has helped you so that you can bless, so that you can help others. Did you know that? And it's healing for your soul when you do that. John Wesley says this. He says, do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can and at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as you ever can. Isn't that awesome? I said, that's a type of life that I want to live. You know, Christmas is an excellent time. It's an excellent, if you're here today and you're going through loneliness and you feel alone and, and you're kind of in that dark place of depression, I want you to know this is an excellent opportunity to get out of the land of loneliness. I want you to watch this video and I want you to just see the power of helping others. Go ahead and watch this video. We got such a positive response to Steve Hartman's story last Friday, we thought we'd run it again with an update in case you missed it or want a second helping of feeling good. Here's Steve on the road. Earlier this month in Kansas City, Missouri, the Jackson County Sheriff's Department launched a sting operation like no other. Hello, ma'am. Your vehicle was targeted. Oh, my gosh. Okay. What made this operation especially unusual was the man behind it. Good morning. A fellow in a red hat, known to these men only as Secret Santa. We got a mission today. 
to go out and do random acts of kindness. Every year, this anonymous businessman personally gives out about $100,000 worth of $100 bills to random strangers. Yeah, let's start with 1000 But this year, he deputized these deputies Merry Christmas. to give away much of it. Yes! Oh, my God! No! <laughs> Most people were blown away. Thank you so much. Either because they really needed the money. Did that make your day better? Or because they were caught so off guard. How you doing, ma'am? I'm good until you pulled me over. Okay. Well, on behalf of Secret Santa, he wants you to have this. Okay? Jessica Rodriguez, a mother of three, told the deputy he saved her Christmas. I wasn't going to be able to give the kids anything. Well, I hope you maybe get your kids something with you. As always, moments like that are the main mission here. Oh, you have a good holiday season. But this year, Secret okay. Santa also had a secret agenda. What do you want the officers to get out of this? Joy. You know, as tough as they are, they have hearts that are bigger than the world. Let's face it. It hasn't been a good year for law enforcement. Copy, thank you. But for the vast majority of decent officers who will never make headlines, Secret Santa offered this gift. Appreciate it, man. Did that help out? A chance to be the bearer of good news for a change. Congratulations. A chance to really help the homeless. To thank the law abiders. To see hands up in celebration. And then be assaulted in the best possible way. There were a lot of hugs. Our body cameras took a real beating. But it was worth it. Just to see people trust again. And to see cops You're welcome. surrender. You have a good holiday. A few hours after this story first aired, our social media people noticed something remarkable happening. Viewers sharing it like we have never seen. First across the states and then across the oceans. Nearly 40 million views and counting. For not being a cat video, that's a pretty remarkable number. And a testament to Secret Santa's message. As one person commented on our Facebook page, Just when the light begins to fade in humanity, we are sent a burst of brilliance that blinds our eyes and hopefully inspires all of us to try just that little harder. And certainly, if people share the kindness, okay. like they have the video, okay. it's going to be one very Merry Christmas. <laughs> Steve Hartman. On the road in Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> Even better the second time. That's the CBS Evening News. Scott will be along Sunday on 60 Minutes. I'm Anthony Mason. I'll see you first thing tomorrow on CBS. Mm, yeah. What if this Christmas season we decided that we are going to re-gift God's kindness to others. We know all of us can sit and talk about the kindness that God has given to us. But man, I, I want to be assaulted by hugs. <laughs> I, I want to be used as God's secret Santa to the world that's hurting. So what if, what if, what if your pastor put out a challenge? What if, what if your pastor challenged each and every one of you this morning Still early, first week of December here. What if we were to pick up this Christmas kindness challenge? Here's what you would do. First of all, you would have to accept the challenge. I say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, maybe the reason why I feel so lonely is because every year I make it about me. This year, I'm going to make Christmas about somebody else. 
and I'm going to get assaulted. <laughs> I'm going to bless the socks off of somebody, and they're never going to see it coming. I'm going to accept the challenge. Second thing I would tell you to do, enlist your family. Get your family involved. Say, hey, kids, come here, come here, come here. We got this crazy idea. We're going to find somebody who's hurting, somebody who's wounded, and we're going to bless the socks. We're going to re-gift what God has given to us. But we need to do this. Number three, we're going to pray about this. Let's, let's take a little bit of time and pray. And let's ask God for his direction. Let's ask God for the direction of how much. What, what are we going to give? What, what is it that we can do that, that we can bless somebody? We're going to ask God to remember, like I said this morning, we are a spirit-led church. We're going to let the spirit lead us in this. And then we're going to do this. Now, when, when you pray about it, now kids, family, we're going to keep this a secret, but we're going to look for an opportunity. And when we feel like we found that opportunity, we're going to come and have a family meeting. It's like, oh, this is, I'm going to have a discussion. We're all going to be in agreement, all be in alignment. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's who we need to bless, okay? All right, and we're going to give this much, and we're going to do this. <laughs> Are you guys ready for this? This is going to be awesome. And when you decide on this, can I challenge you? Be generous. Whatever this is, whatever it means, do this in the way that you would love for your father to do for you. Is that, is that fair? Am I, in the right, am, I, am I in the right place? Let's be generous. We serve a generous God. So, so I'm wrapping this message up. When feeling alone, which all of us, I understand, and we, we've all been in that place, but we don't have to stay there. We don't have to live in that land because Satan loves to have us live in, oh, I call it Stuckville. But remember, here's how you get out. Remember God's promise. You're not alone. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He will not abandon you. Number two, you're going to have to reach out for help. The first place you reach is for God. And then reach out to each other. Get into a life group. Get into a life group. And number three, we're going to re-gift God's kindness to others. So we close out this sermon this morning. We're going to move into a time of communion. We're going to remember God's gift. If you've not received a communion cup when you came in, will you raise your hand? Our ushers will help you. Keep those hands raised until an usher finds you. We want you to know we serve an open communion here at Thrive Church. That, does, that means you don't have to be a member. This isn't between us. This is between you and God. You know, that, that you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've accepted what he did for you on the cross, that you've received his gift of Jesus Christ into your life. Communion, the reason why we do communion as we remember, there is power in remembering. We remember his promises. We remember his gift to us that changed our lives, the gift of his body, God's gift of his son. If we could just hold the bread. Lord, we give you thanks. You gave your son, Jesus, to come into the world, 
to be the Messiah, but it came in the most incredible way. You came and you paid the price. You laid your body down for me so that I could live and have new life. I thank you for that. Shall we partake together? You hold the cup. Lord, we take this cup and we remember the blood of Jesus that was poured out on that cross. Your blood gives us spiritual life. We thank you that you did not stay on the cross, but you rose again so that I could have abundant life and eternal life through you. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, let us partake together. We just put our cup down and can we just give God praise. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You, my friend, are not alone. Whatever you're going through, you are not alone in this. And you have the creator of the universe who is right there beside you. He wants to engage. But you are as close to God as what you allow him. Allow him into your life during this Christmas season. Allow him to work through you in this Christmas season. How